Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by today's guest host, Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. Chris, it comes to my attention that you've got something today that you're going to kind of steal the show from me and then take our listeners through an interview of yours. Yeah, y'all are going to have to deal with my voice for the morning, but uh, today we have Blake Lawrence, the CEO of Open Doors, uh, kind of on the line. Blake is a former Nebraska football player, and he has founded a company that essentially um, serves, I want to say, as kind of a technological, technological middleman between NIL kind of sponsors and players. So he is kind of on the cusp of what's happening with NIL rules, and we spoke to him about what Open Doors is doing, what players could be making from NIL rules. Uh, it can go up to a couple hundred thousand dollars, depending on who the person is. And we also talked about the impact it's going to have on recruiting. I think it's a really interesting conversation. And thanks for checking it out. What was, before we get to it, what, what do you think was the most interesting takeaway? The, the amount of money they can potentially make? Because it's, it's, it's in the high hundred thousands, high six, high six figs. Yeah, the money is huge. Like for a guy like Justin Fields, it could be over a million potentially. So it's it could be huge, but the average college football player is going to be making much less than that. We kind of got into that, and also for you recruiting fans out there, and I assume there are a lot of you listening to a twenty four seven sports podcast. We talked about kind of the next arms race in college football, which is going to be NIL and it's going to be branding. And I think Blake had some really interesting insights onto how that's going to work and what that's going to mean for recruiting moving forward. All right, the floor is yours, Blake. Thanks for joining us today on the College Football Daily. Really appreciate the time. Absolutely, man. Happy to be here. Okay. Um, so to start, uh, we already told people a little bit about Open Doors and kind of the open, but just off the top, Open Doors did a study on what potential Heisman candidates could earn if NIL rules are passed by the NCAA. Uh, what are some of the main takeaways from a monetary perspective from those findings as you kind of look at the numbers? Well, I, I think there's something that uh, is to be said for the estimate process, right? And And how do you come to these numbers and uh, we can dive into those details, but from the high level, the Heisman type candidates, the Naismith player of the year type award winners, these athletes that are thrust in the spotlight every year in college sports have tremendous earning potential. And the difference between their brand marketing and their NIL value endorsement value opportunities and that of a professional athlete is simply one word and it's student, right? The fact they are students today is the one thing that's keeping them from earning the numbers in which you see in that report in terms of the potential annual earnings or the earnings proposed. So if they were stripped of that status of being a student athlete and or the status of being a student athlete means they they can actually start to make money off NIL, then th those are the dollars. And I don't think it should be a surprise to many that the Heisman level candidates in terms of student athletes have such a high earning potential, uh, again, because they're just most of them years away from or even months away from making that type of money in real life. 
Yeah, no doubt. And for those kind of listening at home, a couple of examples. Um, Opendoors estimates that an annual earning potential for Justin Fields right now would be about $1.35 million uh, based on just Instagram and Twitter post values. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, $1.2 million. Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma's likely starting quarterback, 827000 Sam Ellinger, Texas' starting quarterback, around 350000 So that just kind of gives an idea of what some of the top-end guys are uh, potentially worth uh, heading into the season. Although, um, as we've talked about before on this podcast, the NIL rules won't likely go into effect until at least 2021. Um, you mentioned earlier kind of how the formula works and some of the numbers behind it to kind of get there. Can you kind of take me in a little bit about how that work works? And then can you talk about the importance of engagement when y'all are kind of making those calculations in terms of how much these are worth? Yeah, absolutely. So there's the first part in putting together one of these assessments is understanding what would this athlete earn per for one post? Like if a sponsor is to pay Trevor Lawrence to post one time on Twitter, then it would be expected to, to get paid $969. That number comes from the last 10 years of, of data that we have on thousands and thousands of transactions between professional athletes and sponsors. And that gives us a, a starting point uh, based on athletes with this many followers. This is what they can expect to earn. But also there's the fact you mentioned of engagement. So based on how many, what percentage of Trevor Lawrence's followers actually interact with him every time he tweets or posts on Instagram, that influences his value. So those two things combined with the, the primary transaction data creates the post value. So you need to look back to understand historically for pro athletes of this with similar following, similar engagement rate, here's what they have earned. And so that's that number. It's not a guess. It's not, you know, it is, is based in, in realities of actual transactions in the marketplace. So that gives you the per post value. So one thing I've heard from a number of like group of five schools is I kind of uh, talked to them about this subject over the last couple months is they're excited to sell recruits on the ability to kind of be the guy in their city. Right. But I'm wondering, uh, you mentioned this a little bit, but how does a school's overall following impact these numbers, especially when you talk about engagement and kind of the fan bases that uh, follow these people in mass? Yeah, no doubt. So there's the other factor in this, and like the annual earning potential really comes down to the market. So these are things that aside from you know, certain things that athletes have control over, whether there are uh, an upperclassman or if they're an award winner, like those things will help them get more potential. So again, our formula goes and looks at if you are a quarterback, then you historically earn more opportunities for endorsements every year than a center. Like it, it's just pure fact. So if Trevor Lawrence switched to center, his a- annual pro- earning potential would go down. Right. So I need to say a quarterback's doing pretty well there, but you know, so those things have an impact and then the market itself. So when you look at uh, a school like Texas, Texas is in a market where they are the only show in town. There's no professional sports to compete with that is reflected in the fact they earn $200 million plus a year in revenue across the entire athletic department. Their, their football team alone makes double what the average, you know, FBS power five school makes in terms of revenue. So there's so many dollars and so many supporters around that program that just being the quarterback at Texas, no matter what your individual NIL value is, you're going to receive a ton of opportunities because you're not competing with others. You can see that reflected as well in Columbus, right? Where you've got the NHL team, the the blue jackets, but that's it. Then Clemson, you're standalone Norman, Oklahoma. So these athletes in these markets have an advantage. Uh, But when you talk about the following of a school itself, 
Ohio State, year after year, we when you look at the athletes that come out of their end of the NFL draft, they have a larger social media following than dang near any school in the, in the country. And it just shows that the fans at Ohio State have supported their athletes through social digital media and following them for years. And that's going to have a big impact when NIL gets turned on because so many of these dollars are going to flow through social media opportunities into the pockets of the, the college athletes on campus in 2021. So you're saying Blake Lawrence in 2009 with a Twitter following of around 10,000 in Lincoln has a better chance of essentially acquiring sponsorships because of the place he plays. It's the place in which you play. And that's something that you can't hide the fact that uh, this is a marketplace and everyone that's listening in it, supply and demand has a tremendous impact on how often opportunities come your way as an, a pro athlete. And it will have a significant impact on what to expect as a student athlete in terms of NIL potential, right? If you're in a market with four or five, six, seven other professional sports teams, no matter how big that market is, supply is high and demand is spread amongst those other pros in your market. So it is sometimes better to be a big fish in a little pond that happens to have a, a large sponsorship or you know donor type market where you're going to have opportunities from the big sponsors in the space as well as if you put on a camp then you could have a significant amount of donors that are you know pushing their children or family members to go to your camp to support you individually so things like that have an impact it's not necessarily the market itself it's the dollars that flow into the student uh, into the athletic department which you're analyzing that's interesting i think a lot of people would assume a place like I know it's not exactly the market, but a place like USC would be ideal for that in Los Angeles. But there are so many dollars flowing throughout Los Angeles to all the sports that they can. I think, yeah, but I think the dollars for a USC or UCLA athlete will come from a different place than Nebraska and, and Clemson. And what I mean by that is that the industry in California is media. There are more YouTube stars within a square block of USC than the entire state of Nebraska. And those YouTube stars can turn the starting cornerback, quarterback, running back, basketball, you know, point guard into a, uh, a bona fide YouTube celebrity uh, way faster than anyone in Nebraska can do it because the skill sets there. And so if you say that in Nebraska, they may make more money by hosting camps in small towns. In Clemson or Ohio State, they might make more money by promoting on their social digital channels because they're so big. But on, in USC, UCLA, YouTube is the way in which they're going to make their money. So it's not saying that it's, it's all the same everywhere. Certain markets have time and time again generated different types of value points for student-athletes. NIL is no different. So these dollars are very different depending on where you are. Right, right. And I, I can't imagine that there's a lot of uh, USC kids that are going to host a camp in L.A., you know, at a local field where you're, where are you going to get the space? How are you going to find that, you know, where's the infrastructure for that? So you might turn to the online more so than offline in terms of making money through NIL. Gotcha. Um, can you kind of, can you take me into the kind of the way this process would work with open doors if NIL rules are passed, um, kind of how open doors would work with athletes or athletes would work with within open doors to kind of find and locate these sponsorships. So Chris, I'll, I'll take you through the way that we help pro athletes today. Yeah. So a professional athlete is invited to open doors by the team they play for the league they play in their alma mater and they're invited to this platform and think of it like Airbnb, right? Like right as you get in there, you're going to set up your listing and you're basically 
your job is to make sure your house is, is well represented. You make the bed, you know, you got the pictures. So you're, you're really marketable and presentable. Like our job at Open Norse is once those athletes come in, we're providing them photos and videos and content that helps them increase their value by getting their likes up and followers and engagement, all these things that matter. So their house is in order, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of it, like again, the Airbnb analogy, when people are coming to, to town, like they're, they're going to have to select and find which place they want to stay. And so you log into Open Earth and you're trying to find which athletes you want to transact with, like who reaches your goals, your, your audience you're trying to reach and who fits your budget. And then you're going to say, okay, I want to do a deal with, um, lack of a better example, Patrick Mahomes, right? You want to do a deal with Patrick Mahomes. So here's what it's going to cost to do a tweet. Here's a post on, on Instagram. Here's Facebook. You want to do an appearance. Like that's a whole separate bucket. And you say, okay, yep. I want to pay the price. I'm going to uh, say $20,000 to Patrick. Then Patrick gets an alert. Just like you're hosting a spot on Airbnb. Hey, somebody wants to stay at your place. Patrick's like, Hey, somebody wants to post on your Instagram feed and they're going to pay you 20,000. Then uh, his rep, his marketing rep, Jacqueline Dahl, would receive that and say, yeah, well, he's, he's now $30,000 for one Instagram post. It goes back and say, hey, $30,000 good. And then Open Doors handles everything in between, right? I've been finding the athlete, understanding what the cost is going to be, pitching the athlete, negotiating the feedback. And then once you've agreed on that, it's like when you agree, like, all right, we locked it in. We got to stay at this Airbnb spot. Cannot wait. Like, our job is to make sure that when you show up, the thing that you paid for is actually there, right? So our job, once the payment is agreed to, is that Patrick actually says exactly what you want him to say, where you want him to say it, when you want him to say it, and we measure everything in between. So I, I know I got long-winded on the analogy, but it's this simple concept that if you make athletes accessible and you make them reliable, then more businesses, more individuals will seek to transact with those, those athletes. And so the what we've done in the pro athlete space, there's 13,000 athletes around the world that use open doors from Patrick Mahomes to old worn out Nebraska Huskers like Blake Lawrence or Eric Crouch. Um, and that same infrastructure, if the rules change for student athletes, uh, if the rules change tomorrow, then we could just flip a switch and every student athlete that uses our platform could be available in that marketplace. And the same exact experience would come to them where a business is able to search and select athletes they want to transact with, provide a, uh, a pitch and payment and process the entire thing without ever leaving one platform, uh, picking up the phone, dealing with an agent. It is a streamlined process from start to finish. And it's something that we believe is going to scale uh, to help every student athlete at every level of the NCAA next year. I'm just imagining like a Pepsi rep Googling Trevor Lawrence's name right now and seeing the fees and be like, eh, maybe we'll go with like Sam Ellinger this year or something like that. Yeah, right, right. And that's what you're, you're getting to decide. And those are the national deals are really interesting is that, you know, you oftentimes, if, if you're in a local market, you're kind of going to only look at athletes on that team and the price is the price, right? But on the national side, they're going to be able to say, okay, well, Sam is lower price, but Spencer Rattler, man, Oklahoma – I think they're going to have a good year. So maybe we pay the premium so that we're aligned with a potential winner over somebody that may uh, have a down season. So some of those things have to fluctuate. Um, and for us, it's, it's important to understand like over the years, an athlete's NIL value will, it'll go up and down over a, a week to week uh, moment. You no, know, Dak Prescott, his value, his rookie year at the, with the Cowboys was 
about $5,000 for one, one social post. And it, it rose to $50,000 within four or five weeks once it became a starter and was an MVP candidate, right? So those things have an impact and sponsors have to be ready and businesses have to be ready to understand that like any market, supply and demand is going to dictate the, the value. Um, and our job is to provide the best estimate on his, based on historical data where this market's going to start. So you're saying even like those Heisman moments that we see mid-season could legitimately affect a person's value for the very next week, kind of based on your formula. They absolutely should. And that's one of those things that the, uh, imagine the, we don't, haven't had many sports moments lately. So this is interesting, but the, the post that Patrick Mahomes shared the minute after he won the Super Bowl was as valuable as a commercial during the Super Bowl, right? In terms of the eyeballs on it, everyone's drawn into these people and they want to know what they're saying. And so for that reason, the stats may all be the same, but the value that one post may increase. And, and that's, again, our, our job is to be able to predict when that's going to happen based on the last 10 years of doing it for the pro market. Um, I'm probably guilty of focusing on kind of the guys at the top of the college football marketplace, but I know this service, if it gets turned on, uh, on open doors would service all student athletes who use your platform. Right. I'm just wondering what kind of just for an average college football player at a power five program, do you have any idea of what kind of their earning potential would be on a year to year basis? Yeah, I, I actually, there's, there's really a top down or a bottom up approach in terms of where you're at. So let's say you are a, a student athlete at a, NCAA D1 school, FBS level, right? Your your range would be somewhere between $850 to $8,900 a year, right? It's kind of, if you do a bottom-up approach, if you do a, a, and what I mean by that is, is basically taking comparable pro athletes and shifting them over to the college market and saying, does this make sense? Like if a pro athlete makes an average of $50,000 a year from endorsements in this sport is 1% of that, like a, a good range. So $500 a year, like, is that the right way to do it? That's the bottom up. Uh, top down would say like, here's the total amount spent on sports in a, a single year on average, like a, a pro athlete will earn like if there's, in the NFL, there's $13 billion spent on sponsorship and pro athletes like NFL players make somewhere uh, around 1% of that uh, amount. So they're talking about $130 million a year in endorsements. So then if you translate that down to Nebraska, who makes $200 million a year in revenue and the athletes, would they make you know, 1% of that total? So I know this is way into the numbers and it's hard to do on a damn podcast, but like the concept here is that estimates are estimates but you have a real market to look at and again trying to predict what this opportunity is in the upside is going to be really fun over the next 12 months over the next 12 years the market will be known just like it is in the pro level and it'll be even more granular because of the requirements of tracking every single dollar that every student athlete makes in the, in the ncaa level yeah, definitely a lot of unknowns because this has never happened before. Yeah. But uh, y'all are eight, in a better position. Eight, eight hundred to $8,000 a year at the FBS level. Uh, now, even if we got analysis down to the you know, NCAA Division three without football on the high end, it's $140 a year. You know, like, So it's right. not going to break the bank. 
but collectively that's millions of dollars a year because there's 56,000 student athletes at NCAA D3 schools without football. Like that is an insane number. Also, what division three football player doesn't want $140 for beer on the weekends? So 100%. And, and like, that is something I can't overemphasize is that if a student athlete today wanted to go to their hometown and host a football camp and have 50 kids in the community who like in their hometown, they may be a D3, D2, you know, low D1, but in their hometown, they're superstars. They go back there and host a camp and say it's 10 bucks a person, 50 kids show up, it's $500, you know? And so there's going to be those kids at D3 that's like, hey, I'm going to make thousands of dollars and they're going to bring up that average. But in general, the big sexy number that everyone wants to talk about is Trevor Lawrence and um, Justin Fields. But the real interesting parts of this market are going to be the, the long tail, the fact that everybody can make something. And again, as you know, and anybody that went to college knows, having an extra 20 bucks in your pocket for the weekend, buy a case of beer or you know, go to a movie. Game, game changer. Yeah. Game changer. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Doesn't matter who you are. The College Football Daily will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, real quick, 24-7's a recruiting-focused company. I know NIL rules, no matter how, how they're going to go, won't reach high school recruits. But we're already seeing schools create logos for potential players and sell them kind of on earning potential in their recruiting process. How much traction could a high school recruit carry into college? And could some of those brands and high school players instantly become huge earners once they enroll just based on their social media presences? Absolutely. I, I think that the uh, we're good friends with the, the folks over at Overtime, right? And what they are doing. And I know that's a, maybe a competing uh, message there. So I don't want to do that too much for 24-7. But I would say 24-7 sports – and overtime and rivals, I know I'm saying curse words if they're competitors, right? But <laughs> okay. that in any given year, you're creating, you're building the brands of these student athletes. Without you, people wouldn't know who they are, right? And like you're an assistant to this like brand build and huddle is as well. And so this whole ecosystem and infrastructure of educating the market on who's valuable in high school does directly contribute to their NIL value. Like without 24-7 sports, there are many athletes that don't have NIL value, but because you exist, they do. And so the more offers they get, the more coverage they get on 24-7, the more opportunities they'll receive to get more followers. More followers means more dollars. And so this whole ecosystem kind of feeds into it. Uh, even though they may not be able to receive that compensation while in high school, it's just setting them up for success at the next level. So it, what it becomes is you just move this whole, there's a moment when an athlete exhausts their eligibility and they're going to enter the NFL draft, NBA draft. And in that moment today, they are judged. They are judged based on the last four years of their life, what they've done on the field, off the field, and their marketability is valued at that moment. With NIL shifting, it takes that moment to the moment they sign their letter of intent, right? And so in that moment, they're going to be judged. 
for everything they've done on the field, off the field over the last four years. So now, strangely enough, how an athlete represents himself the first moment they log into Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat when they're 14 years old will impact their marketing value the day they show up on a college campus. And every media outlet that's covering them is going to contribute to their NIL value, whether positive or negative. Um, so long-winded, man. I, Chris, you know I love this stuff. I could talk about it all day. Hopefully that answers a little of your question. No, I got you. So what you're saying is we're probably going to see maybe a little more aware recruiting Twitter than we used to in the past because they have a goal to focus towards when they get to. Oh, yeah. And here's what I, I think today's recruits, you guys cover them every single day at 24-7 sports. They know how to market themselves. Like if you go to any top prospect, four-star, five-star, three-star even, and you scroll through their social media feeds, those are some of the best marketers in sports. Like they are saying, I got an offer. I'm getting, I'm going here. Can't wait to grind. Here's my highlight video. Everything they're doing to get a scholarship offer is the exact method they're going to be using to get a endorsement offer. Same thing. And so that's the most interesting part of this is that today's recruiting environment is creating marketers out of athletes who used to only just have to go play the game, give their coach the film who would ship out tapes and hopefully a coach calls. Now, athletes are proactively building up a brand, building up a presence, working on commitment videos, commitment graphics. Like They are already more marketable than some of the pros in terms of their habits. And where they go to school is either going to elevate them, right, or minimal, like minimalize the things in which they've, they've built up to that point. And that's going to be a major factor. For kids that love the attention they get during recruiting, they should go to schools that love to help them monetize NIL, right? And that's a large percentage of them. But there are certain schools and certain student athletes that don't love the attention. And so they're going to find their fit too. But just like any other aspect of the recruiting process, you're going to find schools that help you magnify or focus on your strengths. And NIL value and marketing is, is a key aspect for many, many other recruits in, in the game today. That's interesting. We always hear about the schools that help develop players like in the weight room or something like that. And I get the feeling NIL development is going to be just as big of a factor in 10 years. Same thing. I mean, for me, Chris, I was getting recruited across the country and I fell in love. I was a student athlete, like keyword student came in with 30 credit hours. And when Nebraska told me they led the country in academic All-Americans, I listened to that. There might be some people that walked by and didn't care. They want to see the weight room, but I, I cared about that. I like the sellout streak. Like, fan support and academics outweighed facilities for me, right? Because I figured out, like, once you see enough of these schools, like, all the facilities, it's all the same weight room. It's all the same equipment. It's just a different color weight room, you know? But what it, the, the science of, of recruiting is trying to find that fit. And NIL is that new department. It's, it's you got to have academics. You got to have life skills. Would love to have a great location, great weather, right? You got to have good facilities. You got to have a good history good sellout streaks, support, cool jerseys, and a great NIL program. Like it is one of the things in which you have to have to win. And it's not because every student athlete is going to care about it. It's because the ones that care about it, you want to make sure you have the box checked. And uh, before I let you go, kind of last thing, um, there's a possibility that we end up playing football this fall. Um, kind of seems to change every day. Yep. But I'm wondering, what is that? what does that tell you that this might happen to student athletes and they might play this season about their value in the marketplace? The fact that the football season might happen with all these conditions. Boy, I, I would say that it is 
so apparent that there are billions of dollars on the line every time a, a football player straps up, you know, the, the helmet puts on the pads and goes out to play. Um, a year without basketball, college sports would be in a tough spot. A year without baseball, maybe. But a year without football, college sports is lost its identity. And it does put a, a, a tremendous impact. Uh, it shows you in perspective of how much student athletes mean to this whole ecosystem, um, especially football student athletes. And the NIL value part is a small part of that, right? And it's like the, the NFL, again, is a 13 billion a year, 16 billion a year type market. And players' salaries are around 7 billion of that. Um, players' NIL value is less than a billion of that. And so the thought that if, if college football is a $10 billion a year market, that student athletes are not going to get paid salaries. So we're going to cut that, you know, that BS. But the NIL side of it could be uh, close to a billion dollars a year in opportunity. Um, and without the student athletes, you don't have football. But without football, you don't have the student athletes. So it just, I don't know, it kind of puts in perspective that these guys create a tremendous amount of value. NIL is going to help them capture some of that value. And you know what's funny is like if the games go away, the student athletes don't, right? So you're going to care about Trevor Lawrence in the middle of October this year. And you're not going to care about Clemson football because Clemson football doesn't exist, but Trevor Lawrence does. And that's the point of NIL value is that if the seasons stopped, if the game stopped, that the athletes still have value. But if the season stopped, the game stopped, the teams don't, right? So it's, it it's, helps you kind of identify – Ah, that's what we're trying to get to is a point that even without the games, student athletes have value and why not let them capitalize on it? Well, definitely some interesting stuff. I get the feeling we're going to, the name open doors will be pretty synonymous with this here in a couple months as this keeps pushing forward. And we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Blake. No, I appreciate you, man. Happy to do it anytime. And, and hopefully the numbers didn't get too lost. If you need more from me, let me know. I, I got them for days. So <laughs> we'll too. Okay. That's going to do it for today's episode of the college football daily. Thank you for, thank you to Chris Hummer for handling that good stuff. Go check out the story that links to it. It's in our show notes for Tani Levitt. And again, for Chris, I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to y'all next time on the college football daily.